0: Welcome to my podcast, These Dramatic Days. I'm Jen, and I want to have smart conversations about Asian dramas, particularly good Taiwanese and Korean series. And I'm so excited to be talking about the Taiwanese drama Rainless Love in a Godless Land, which has been my favorite series of the last year. And I think a number of people have been very confused about the more complicated later episodes, as well as the ending. Because I really like this series, I want to explain the ending and make it clearer for those who don't quite get it. And I also want to do this by talking about what the scriptwriters and actors have mentioned in interviews as well as my own understanding of the ending and interpretations that other people have given me which I have thought have been very smart and it makes me laugh because I've seen fans say that this drama reminds them of The Matrix, Inception, Goblin and Doom at your service and to be honest they're not wrong because all these films and series have elements that you can really see in Rainless Love and I'll warn you beforehand because I know how bad it is when someone drops a spoiler on you and you're like I haven't seen that yet but just to be totally clear I'll be talking about scenes and characters from the drama so I would suggest if you haven't seen it yet go watch it and then come back and listen to this and everything will make a whole lot more sense. So before we talk about the ending I just want to unpeel the layers of this drama because there's so much to talk about. A little rundown of the topics I'll be touching on today. Number one we'll start off by talking about the basic story for this drama for those who haven't picked it up yet or are thinking about it. Number two we'll be talking about the actors and characters. I really want to talk about this all-star cast which includes some really well-known and well-loved actors and actors actresses such as Alice Kerr, Joanne Zhang, and Joe Cheng, as well as award-winning actor Paul Fu, who is super dashing as the main character. And I want to talk about why they were selected for their characters, as well as their cast chemistry, which is really the best part of watching Taiwanese dramas. Number three, I want to talk about the romance. There's lots of questions about whether or not the series is romantic. Some people say it's really romantic. Others say that it's very slow burn. So I really want to talk about that. Number four, we can't talk about Rainless Love without talking about what type of drama it is. And although, important themes that have been showcased in the series. It's a series that promotes indigenous Taiwanese culture and there's a real focus on environmental issues and so this series is very smart in asking the audience to be more aware of social issues. And number five, finally I want to talk about the ending and make that very clear for everyone. It is tied up with a lot of deep ideas about faith and reality and philosophical questions like that. So for example a lot of the ending deals with ideas like is something real if you just believe in it and are we destined for certain paths in life or do we have the choice to change things in our own lives? So a quick summary of the plot for those who haven't gotten into the full swing of this drama yet. The story is centered around a girl called Se Tendi and in Chinese that name means to be grateful for the heavens and for the earth. And Tendi is very much someone who lives up to her name. She's very grateful for everything and she seems to be very happy-go-lucky and she's superstitious. She believes that she has a guardian angel and surprisingly she's not wrong. She does have a guardian angel called Oran who watches over her but his role in her life is not as simple as making sure she's okay. His role is mainly to ensure that everything goes according to Kakarayan's plan. Kakarayan happens to be the creator and the almighty god in this series and his plan for Tendi unfortunately is that she will die before the last rainfall on earth which marks the start of the end of the world for human beings. Tendi of course accidentally finds this out from Oran and then she's determined to change her fate and make sure that she doesn't die. But along the way her plans are being followed by a red-eyed demon called Toam. And there's also a corrections bureau who works for Kakarayan to ensure that things happen as they should, which kind of stands in Tandy's way. So that's just the very start of this drama. And of course, more and more things unravel as the story unfolds. And there's also a lot of mysteries to do with the gods and to do with why things are supposed to be the way they are. So now that we've summed up the plot, I thought we'd talk about the characters and the actors. So this is something dear to my heart. I really like talking about Taiwanese actors, and I think it's because they're quite magical when you see them together they always have really good cast chemistry and i'm going to put that down to the fact that it's a small industry so everyone knows everyone even if they haven't worked together they probably know everyone else who's worked with that person and then i think it's also because their fans are a little bit more relaxed and taiwanese culture is also very open so the actors are a bit more candid and a bit more open about their actual selves compared to korean celebrities and i'm going to say the cast chemistry for rainless love was even stronger than some of the other dramas that I've seen because the cast actually got together weekly to do Instagram lives or Facebook lives for the audience to help explain the story since it was so complex. It was really fun to watch them gather together and watch the drama and talk about it with fans. So, the main leads on this drama are Paul Fu, who you might know by his Chinese name, which is Fu Mengpo, and Joanne Zheng, who you might know by her Chinese name, which is Zhen Zhichao, or her nickname, Chao Chao. And the second leads are Alice Kerr, who you would know as Kerr Jian, and Zhou Cheng, who who you might know as Zen Chang. and even though I called them second leads Alice and Joe's characters are actually really important to the story and have a lot of weight towards the end of the series anyway so while I know a fair bit about Alice and Joe and Joanne I have to admit that I didn't really know much about Paul Fu before they picked him for the main male lead in Rainless Love because I don't think he's been in many Taiwanese dramas to be honest but he's definitely a very good actor and a very seasoned one who's done a lot of different types of Taiwanese films and he's even won a golden horse award which is one of the prestigious taiwanese acting awards and apparently he's done over 30 commercials and for those who have watched chinese dramas he's done a few of those including a period drama called the sleuth of the ming dynasty which a lot of people seem to know him from before rainless love and i think because he's had a lot of experience in films and playing like more serious characters than your average drama character i think it was perfect for this role because it was quite a complicated character there were so many different layers and sides to the character of Orad. He's both a sorrowful character, but also one that's really warm and gentle and often very restrained. And I think Paul Fu really pulled that off well because he's played many tragic characters before in his past films. So starring opposite to Paul Fu was his co-star Joanne Tseng. And you'll know her as a rom-com queen because she's been in many romance series such as Attention Love with Prince and Refresh Man with Aaron Yan. And so I feel like the series is actually a lot more serious than her other dramas as a romance, but it's probably a good thing that she's been in so many girly rom-coms because Joanne's character Tendi started off as a very typical rom-com character who's a little bit naive and very superstitious. To be honest, I found Tendi's character a little bit much at first, but she slowly grew on me as the series went on because she has what a lot of other female lead characters have, which is that sense of bravery and the ability to stand up for her own beliefs. So it was really good to see Joanne inject both those sides into Tendi as a character. And her aunt Paul, have a really great on-screen chemistry in terms of that sense of longing between them. They were very good at bringing that romantic tension. Actually, to add to this, Paul did an Instagram live the other night and he mentioned having really good chemistry with Joanne and he felt that it was comfortable working with her even in things like kissing scenes, which can sometimes be a bit awkward, but he felt that it was really comfortable between the two of them. There's also some really cute interviews from when they were doing the promotional rounds for Rainless Love where Joanne was telling the reporters that everyone thought her and Paul looked really good together from the very beginning. Not just casting directors, but also their co-star Alice, who said that they looked like they had some real chemistry on screen. And then it's quite cute because Paul also said that he thought him and Joanne looked good together the first time that he saw their faces together on promotional material. But aside from this really good on-screen chemistry as a couple, I really like their off-screen chemistry as actor friends because Joanne's super extroverted and Paul's super introverted and she would tease him a lot about that, but they seem to understand each other really well and they were obviously close enough to have nicknames because joanne always referred to him as that spicy guy and she would always tell stories about him sleeping on the job or something funny like that and of course both these actors had really good chemistry with alice because they both worked with her before and all of them are friends and in this series alice plays a character called Toem, who's a fallen god so she presents herself as evil at the very start but she really grows and changes her image as the series goes on and so even though she's not the central main character I think Alice took this role because it's quite different to some of the things she's done in the past. She said it's the first time she played a seemingly bad or naughty character and also the first time she played a god. Alice has a natural sense of coolness so it really wasn't that hard to believe her as a god and of course she has really good acting abilities and has always been able to show the different sides of one character really well and so that's really what won her her Golden Bell Award for Someday or One Day and that's the drama that was actually the one that came before Rainless Love in this studio and with these scriptwriters, and so Alice had actually worked with everyone quite recently, but I was really surprised to find that she had worked with Paul not so long ago. They did a movie around the time that Someday or One Day was released. The movie was called Your Love Song, and they actually have a love line in that story together, which I guess is kind of funny if you look at it in the context of Rainless Love, because in this drama, Alice's character Toem is constantly referred to as Arad's ex-girlfriend because she's so focused on him and ruining his plans. So let's move on to the last big name that's attached to this project. And that's Joe Chang, who plays the mysterious god Folly. And this role is really complicated and really moves the action along in this story. So it required a very experienced actor to bring out all the sides of this character. So it's really great that they picked Joe, who's been acting for ages. And he's of course been a drama lead many times. His most famous dramas were It Started With A Kiss, where he was paired with Ariel Lynn three times. And of course, Joe is actually really talkative when he's not in character. And so him and Paul would do these weird... Weekly Lives where they talked about the deeper meanings of this drama, which was really great for fans because I think Joe is very good at explaining these philosophical ideas. And so aside from these well-known actors who play the main four characters, this drama actually has a lot of well-known actors as side characters or even cameos. So the God of Wisdom is played by Kenny Yen, who was of course the bad guy in Someday or One Day. His wife in Rainless Love is played by the actress Yao Yao, who's really well-known for being a rom-com lead. She's also well-known for being the main character in the HBO series The Teenage Psychic and then other well-known actors that appeared in Rainless Love as cameos included Greg Su, Vera Yan, Pippi Yao, Sam Lin, Lego Lee and Prince. Prince was Joanne's love interest in a drama called Attention Love. There's also Moon Lee who played the daughter in The Victims Game which is another great Taiwanese series that you can catch on Netflix. So if you're a fan of Taiwanese dramas or Chinese dramas this is a good series to watch because there's very strong actors in the cast and lots of famous faces that appear throughout the show so moving on from talking about the actors to the actual story it'll be good to look at the idea of romance in this drama since it seems to be important to a lot of fans who are looking to watch a new drama and i feel like it's the question that's been asked the most about this series does it have romance and i have to say i laughed reading the responses as people struggled to explain so some fans say it's super slow burn and some fans say that it doesn't really have a strong romance but if you understand chinese and you followed all the social media accounts for rainless love you'll notice that it's described as an extremely romantic series and the show was initially meant to be called by the same name as its Chinese name, Rainless in a Godless Land, which I think flows better and sounds cooler, but they added the word love in there to emphasize the romance. So you may be thinking, is this series romantic or not? In my opinion, Rainless Love in a Godless Land is a pretty romantic drama and it can touch you quite deeply, but it really depends on your definition of romance and what style of romance you like to watch in your dramas. I think people's Taste in romance falls roughly into two categories. The first type is the obviously sweet romance that focuses on more physical displays of affection. So it's like the couple go on many dates, they call each other pet names, they give each other presents like rings and flowers, they might have a wedding, and they also kiss and hug a lot. But the second type of romance is this there is a lot of reading between the lines, there's a high romantic tension that focuses on more emotional displays of affection. So it's like the couple will try to protect each other from harm at all costs, and they might do so at a huge sacrifice to themselves. They care for the other person's needs, and if it's a forbidden love, which it most likely is, there's a lot of longing and tenderness between them. You can really tell just from the words that they say or the way that they look at each other, and the love story might defy time and space. So if the characters were put into another timeline or another country, they would still fight to find their way back to each other. And most dramas are not one type or the other, they combine both, but they sort of, lean more heavily towards one type. And in the case of Rainless Love, this drama is definitely the second type, a high tension romance with lots of emotional displays of affection. The main characters care so much about each other and they feel so deeply about each other even though there are huge forces keeping them apart. And these big conflicts in the story have to be resolved before they can really do anything romantic. So at the start of the drama, Tendi thinks that she's going to die. And even though he's her guardian angel, Aurad can't do anything about it because that's what he's seen in the reflection of time, which is basically what's destined to happen. And then the next big dilemma they face is that the world is going to end because the main god Kakarayan is taking away his blessings. So while Tendi and Orad have strong feelings for each other, they don't act on them immediately because they're busy surviving. The other thing is that Tendi finds out that she used to like Orad and had those memories removed, so there's a period of time where she's trying to understand herself and her memories. But the strong chemistry is there and you can definitely feel that deep sense of longing between. Tendi and Orad, in the way they talk to each other, in the way they look at each other, there's just this tortured sense of wanting to be together, but not being able to. And I think that really contributes to the sense of a deep love. And they do still have the physical displays of romance. So all the memories of their love story before the memories are erased are really, really beautiful. For example, there's this confession scene, which involves a kiss in the rain under the last rays of sunlight with Orad, who is the rain god himself. So that's pretty romantic and whenever Tendi can't sleep she'll call Orad over and he's her guardian angel so he'll just appear, listen to her problems, take away her nightmares and replace them with whatever she wants to dream about and she always wants to dream about him. So again, those sort of memories and moments in the drama are really beautiful and touching. And look, if you really like those fluffy elements of dating and piggyback rides and kissing, they do actually happen once the main issues are resolved and I also think that the writer focuses not on this extraordinary romance but on the most ordinary of moments. See one of Orad's favorite moments when he thinks back about Tandy is just this moment where they're sitting on the couch watching tv together and the script writer picked that moment for Orad because he felt that true love is when normal mundane moments in life become somewhat magical because you're spending them with someone you care about. So I think the writers worked really hard to show a more deeper and meaningful relationship as opposed to one that was just fluffy and a little bit more of a shallow romance. One last point I want to make about this romance is that it is between a human and a mortal being and so the timelines are a little bit different for both of them as people and I do think that's also another reason why the romance is a little bit stacked towards the end as opposed to the front because Arad gets to see a lot of Tendi's life as she grows up but he remains at this unknown immortal godly age and so their relationship is quite innocent for a long time which makes a lot of sense and the directors and actors have said that it's. It's not automatically a love, it's like Aurad has a fondness for Tendi, but then he sees in the future that they will like each other and there's always this curiosity which eventually does blossom into something. So I hope I've confirmed that it's definitely got a deep and meaningful romance in this story, but there's also a lot of other deep and meaningful themes and so let's talk about those. Rainless Love is a story about gods and in some ways it's taken a lot of inspiration from the god dramas like Goblin. So for those who don't know what Goblin is, it's a K-drama starring Gung Yu about a Lonely creature known as goblin. He's being punished by the gods with immortality because he committed a sin in his past life, and he's looking for a bride to set him free. So even though the stories are not that similar, Goblin set up a structure for the modern day god dramas, which you can see in other K dramas like Do At Your Service, and in Taiwan dramas like The Devil Punisher, and of course Rainless Love. And the structure I'm talking about is where there's a lonely godly figure who falls in love with the ordinary human being while atoning for their sins. In Rainless Love, you can definitely see. See that lonely, solitary, godly figure in the character of Arad, who is the rain god, but he's also the only messenger of the creator god Kakarayan, and he falls in love with a human and discovers something terrible about himself that makes him question everything around him. So in that way, it does borrow from the modern god storyline in dramas. But I like that in this story about gods, you can actually see the humans and gods interact with each other, and you can see that there are a number of spirits that try to protect different people. So, for example, Tiendi's grandma has her own spirit that looks after her. And there's also a godly grandmother in the neighborhood who tries to look after these two little girls who've been abandoned by their mother. So it's a story that doesn't just show an interaction between one god and a special chosen human being. And I find that to be a little bit more believable because if there are gods, it would seem a little bit unfair that they just have this one human that they're going to look after in a world of billions of humans. And in fact, being the chosen one in Rainless Love is very interesting because Tendi is not destined to save the world. World. And she's not gifted with any unusual magical powers, but she's actually told that she's going to die just before the world ends. And even though she'll obviously be involved in saving the world, it makes for a more compelling and unpredictable story because you're trying to figure out how she's going to get out of this predicament where she's going to end up dead in a few days. Another way in which I find this God drama to be more deeper and meaningful and compelling than other God dramas that I've watched is that it promotes the mythology and culture of the Amis people. This is is the largest indigenous ethnic group in Taiwan and they're mostly fishing people who traditionally lived along the coastlines. And although most of them have converted to Christianity, this story is about their traditional beliefs which were based on the idea that everything has a spirit and these spirits were known as kawas. Traditionally there were six groups of kawas. Gods, ancestors, the souls of the living, the spirits of living things, spirits of lifeless objects, and ghosts. And going back to Rainless Love, this drama is based on a world full of kawas and uses a lot of the Amis language and names for things. For example, some concepts that I mentioned in the drama include Kakarayan, who is the main creator god who also represents the sky. There's also Sikawasai, who are these human mediums that help humans to communicate with the spirits the Kawas. There's also the idea of Pinakayan, which is the origin of all the Kawas, also known more commonly as a heaven. So these are just some of the concepts that are mentioned throughout the drama that really do reflect Amis culture. And of course, a lot of the main characters are Kawas, like Orad is the Kawas of rain and Fali is the Kawas of wind. However, I'm not sure if all of these characters are the real Kawas from Amis culture or if they're just inspirations drawn from the stories of that culture. But doing a bit of research I did find that Kakarayan is definitely the god that they worshipped and also the sky and each of the episodes of the drama starts out with a beautiful animated mythical story of Ami's folklore and I did find that the creation story with a giant flood was an actual Ami story that has been passed on for generations and without giving away too many spoilers once you get to the last episodes there is a character called Tiamakan, and she is a real character in Ami's folklore as well although they do play around with her story and make it a little bit different from what it traditionally was. So while there is some creativity with the folklore, there's also elements that borrow directly from the stories as well. I have to say, I really like that this drama pays its respects to an indigenous culture that might not be so well known to the rest of the world outside of Taiwan. It's probably the first drama to do so. And I think it's amazing that they crafted the story using traditional mythology and were able to showcase the army's people's language and traditional cultures, such as the rituals that they used to worship the Kwas. And they also featured some Amis people as actors. But I guess it goes without saying that it would have been nicer to have featured more Amis people, especially in roles where they could have played main characters. But as the scriptwriter said, this is definitely one of the first dramas to look into indigenous Taiwanese culture. And he was saying that he hoped that Rainless Love would open the door for more interesting stories like this to come forth. So I think there'll definitely be more opportunities in the future. And I think sometimes the benefits of using well-known actors is that they help to educate bigger fan bases about certain causes or ideas and in this case about the armist people and their culture and also seeing actors that people really like being curious and learning about a culture draws them to learn about the culture as well so there's definitely benefits of also going with an all-star cast for this drama so aside from gods and exploring indigenous culture brainless love can also be classified as a doomsday drama so for most of the story from about the first or the second episode you find out that the main god Kakarayan is asking all the gods to leave the world because humans haven't been taking care of it and it's just going to end. And it's so fascinating that the gods appear powerless in saving the world and it shows that humans are actually the ones who are in control of the Earth's future. We're reminded through all these contrasting shots of rubbish with beautiful natural parks and beaches and the consequences of us not protecting our environment are shown through these terrifying news reports throughout the drama where they talk about things like a lack of food because the environment no longer supports farming. Farming, and a reduction in rainfall because of course all our water is drying up from the way that we're not looking after the rivers and the oceans although in this drama they explain it as because Orad has to leave as one of the gods so it's kind of funny in that way but also not funny in the way that we're not looking after our environment and emphasizing this point is the cinematography for this series which is so beautiful and thoughtful the world of the gods is shown to be in these big open natural spaces like on beaches and in forests and next Mountains. While the world of the humans is more urban with lots of graffiti walls, there's also lots of claustrophobic scenes in areas where there's lots of buildings and lots of traffic, and it really makes you think about what humans have done to nature and leaves a message about needing to be more aware of how we live in this world. Another way in which this drama is a doomsday series is that it looks at really recent events and it cleverly ties them into the environmental issues. And what could be more recent than the events to do with COVID? So Rainless Love was written and filmed in these last. years making it one of the covid era dramas and so i wasn't really surprised when they included it as a reference in the drama but i really thought it was smart that they tied it in as an environmental consequence of the world ending so in the drama there's this white algae disease that grows inside people because it doesn't have a place to grow in this world this nod towards the horror of recent events reminds everyone that the end of the world can be a lot closer than we think if we don't start taking care of the environment so now we get to the last themes of rainless love which have a lot to do with philosophy, faith, and things like whether or not we're destined to follow a path or whether or not we can change our destiny. And it's really hard to talk about these themes without talking about the ending sequence for this drama, so I've gotten to the part where I'm going to be explaining the ending to those who don't understand it, or to those who feel like the ending was not as important as it could have been. i just flagging with you that the next part of this will be full of spoilers, so if you haven't seen the ending for this drama, go watch the ending, come back and listen to my explanations afterwards. And before I explain I have to say that the ending is quite complicated and there's a lot of elements to tie up. So really I'll be explaining from the middle of the drama to the end. Most of the ending refers to episodes 11 to 13 where a lot of the mysteries start to unravel and you begin to understand things more clearly. How did you feel about the ending when you first watched it? Were you very confused or disappointed by anything or really happy about how the ending turned out to be? On my first watch I was a little bit confused by some of the ideas but I definitely wasn't disappointed. It felt like the ending tied up a lot of elements really nicely and surprisingly it was a really happy one and once I thought about the choices made I felt like the story went down a good path. I know some people wanted there to be more of a focus on the end of the world and the doomsday storyline but I think the writers wanted to give people hope since there's been a couple of really dark years for everyone so I think the writers went with the sense of optimism with the lighter ending and to explain the ending properly and the meaning of the ending there's a few main points that I want to make first. So number one, this drama takes place across at least two different realities. Number two, this drama takes place across a few different timelines. Number three, the characters of Arad Kakarayan and Lee the human version of Arad, are all the same being. And this was confirmed by fo Fu's own understanding of his character in an Instagram live to fans. And finally, we get to number four, which is a point that will help you to understand the entire drama. So the whole story is based on the question of whether our lives are predestined by God or whether we get a choice in how things turn out in our lives. And the drama seems to suggest that it's a combination of both. So there's so-called fate but we also shape it with the choices that we make and we should make good choices instead of wait around for fate to choose things for us. Using these points I'm going to connect everything together and explain the ending but it will take a while because it is quite a complicated storyline so hopefully you'll patiently follow along till the end. To really explain the ending you have to start from the middle of the story so in the middle of the drama you find out that Folly, who is the head of the corrections bureau this godly office department designed to make sure that everything follows Kakarayan's plans he seems to be hiding a secret and he may have his own agenda at the same time the demonic red-eyed woman Tawam seems to be watching out for Arad and she even wants him not to listen to Folly, even though she knows that he won't trust her while all of this is happening in episode 10 it's also the episode where Tendi's grandmother starts to get really sick and Tendi wants to find the main creator god Kakarayan so that she can beg him to save her grandmother's life and luckily for her she does meet Kakarayan. He comes down to meet her in the form of Greg Sue. I actually always think it's quite funny because Greg Sue played god playing Greg Sue in the drama and they have a very serious conversation where Tendi says that she will make a deal and give up anything or do anything he wants if he saves her grandmother and Kakarayan makes a very good point to Tendi in that he says that humans seem to think that they can make deals with god in order to get what they want but it's quite funny because if God is all powerful and has everything and can do anything then what can one small human offer up in order to have their wishes fulfilled and he reveals that as God he gave humans everything that they have and he never asked for anything in return but humans just seem to be asking more and more and never really looking after what they've been given and they just seem to make more deals in order to get better things so for example trading in nature for money and material goods he tells 10 that humans have been given everything they need and they just need to make the right choices. Candy begs him to make the choice to help her grandmother, but he says that he can make a choice, but it might not be something that she would like. For example, he might not let her grandmother live. And so this conversation with God is both deep, but also easy to understand. So one of the big ideas in this series is whether or not you're meant to just surrender to God's plans or to the plans of destiny. So for example, if you find out you're meant to die, do you just accept that? Or do you use action to try to change things. Can we even change the things that we find out are going to happen? And I think this drama really tells us that there's both fate and our own free will to change things. So we can literally do nothing and blame destiny or blame God for our misfortunes, but really the only one with the power to change what's happening in the present is us. So it's a bit like fate or God's plans are like a river and we're in a boat where we have the paddle to sort of control our way around what could possibly happen to us. And you can really see the idea of taking action in Tendi's character, so not only does she challenge the idea that she's not meant to live, she also challenges the idea that her grandmother isn't meant to live, and she succeeds both times, so it really shows you the power of taking action against what is fated to be. But let's continue on with explaining the ending. So at this point, Arad and Li the god of wisdom, start to believe that their memories have been wiped or altered. Arad keeps getting this sense of deja vu, and Li has these lost memories, and eventually he goes to confront Folly, and this is where we learn that Folly has a secret identity. He's actually Lamed, the god of dreams. And this confrontation brings about the first major plot twist in this story, which is that everything in the world that we've been looking at so far is fake. So all the kawas are fake. Why? Because they're characters in a dream world that Lamed has created. I guess you could compare this to The Matrix if you've seen it. Li Puhui discovers that the world they're in is fake because he starts to see the glitches or cracks inside the world that don't Makes sense. So, for example, as a Kwas, he's not like the other Kwas. He doesn't have the Kwas necklace and he doesn't have an indigenous magical name. This, along with the missing memories that both him and Arad seem to be experiencing, show him that there is a lack of consistency in this world that doesn't make sense. And so, he figures out that everything is fake. And because he can't believe that anything is real anymore, he ends up fading away. And this sort of represents the idea of having like an existential crisis. Like, as humans, we have Moments where we question why we're alive and what our purpose is in life, and it seems like gods that don't have a purpose seem to just fade away. So, at this point, it's important to note that there's different realities. So, the reality that we've been watching all this time in this story up to episode 11 is a fake dream world, and even though it seems really similar to our reality, it's not the same reality that we live in. And I think this is an important point to remember when you're looking at this story because later on there will be a different reality. So just keep that in mind. Just to complicate things further there's also not only different realities but different timelines that we're suddenly exposed to. So Toom's story in episode 12 takes us back into the past about 20 years before everything happens and it shows us that her and Orad used to work together and they were both koas. but then Orad saw the reflection of time and he saw into the future that he would look after a human who would eventually turn into the love of his life and knowing the future made him obsess about the future. And he kept watching until he found out the truth about his existence, which was that he himself was a lie. And at this point, Arad goes to confront Folly, or Lemurde. Let's call him Lemurde for convenience sake. And Lemurde was really looking forward to this moment because he believed that once Arad found out that he was fake, that he would actually find out who his true identity was. But Toam saw that Arad would fade away and disappear, so she tried to get rid of his memories about what he saw in the reflection of time and she wanted to kill Tendi because their meeting would then never happen and he would never find out the truth or disappear. Unfortunately for Toem this is one of those stories where once you see what the future is and you try to stop it you actually set those events into motion and that's what happens when Toem tries to kill Tendi. Her plan ends up failing and she actually sets up the first meeting between Orad and Tendi. This leads to their friendship and eventually to both of them falling for each other. So because all that stuff happened with Toem, and she wiped out his memory he never really found out that he was a lie and so as a result he never found out his true identity. Because Lamurd wanted Arad to find out his true identity Lamurd then made sure that Arad kept to the future that he saw as he realized that falling in love with Tendi would eventually make Arad find out his true identity anyway but just 20 years later. But Lamurd feels angry because he didn't realize that Tendi would grow up to look like Tiamakan, the only human woman that Kakarayan would fall in love with. What this symbolizes is, is that even though LeMurd thought he was making a plan of his own will, everything was still part of Kakarayan's plan. And part of his plan was not letting go of this woman that he had always loved and had lost a long time ago. So if he's not just a character in a dream world that Lemur built, who is he really? And his true identity is that he turns out to be Kakarayan. And this confuses a lot of people because how could he be Kakarayan and not know that himself? And also earlier in the series, Kakarayan, appears to Tendi, and they have that conversation that I mentioned earlier and he seems to know everything. He's all-knowing, he's wise, he's the ultimate creator and in the earlier episode he is played by Greg Sue, so has a completely different look to Orad. Although I don't think that confuses people as much because I think it's fairly obvious that as the main creator god Kakarayan can change his form according to who he's talking to but I think people are more confused about why Orad is considered a lie and also why he doesn't know he's Kakarayan. So So the easiest explanation I have is that Orad initially thought he was his own separate person, that he was the god of rain, he was the messenger to the main creator god, and he thought that he had his own identity. But he actually doesn't because he's an avatar to the main god, Kakarayan. So it's probably easiest to think of it in terms of real life religions. In a lot of religions, there is a main god, and often they create another version of themselves, or like they have a son who is actually also partly a version of themselves so to borrow from Christianity it's like how Jesus is a part of God and he's the son of God he's sort of like a representative of God on earth and part of the holy trinity with God but they are also kind of the same and kind of not the same so I don't know everything about Christianity but I do think that it's a similar representation between Orad and Kakarayan they are kind of the same person or the same entity but Kakarayan never explicitly conveyed this to Arad. And so when he woke up and was created in this world, he just thought he was his own individual separate being. He didn't know there was a relation between him and Kakarayan. And if we take the example from Christianity again, it would be like if Arad thought he was the archangel Michael, and then it turned out he found out that he was more like a Jesus-like figure with a direct connection to God. I think that's the intensity and level of shock that he was experiencing. And at the same time, he also believed or had found out that he was a lie. And what that seems to mean in terms of the drama is that he's just a character that exists in this fictional dream world that Lemurde has created on the instruction of Kakarayan. That whole world is apparently an illusion without substance and Lemurde reveals that the true Kakarayan made an avatar of himself which was Arad, so he could just live happily with Tendi, a woman who looks like Tiamakan in the dream world that he forced Lemurde to make. So this really messes up Arad's worldview because he doesn't know what's real anymore. Everything feels made up, even the one thing that he felt so sure about, his love for 10 could possibly be someone else's feelings and not his own. Since he doesn't have faith in anything anymore, he starts to fade away. And again, this seems like a metaphor for, like, faith and having existential crises. I mean, this is the same thing for humans, like, if you don't have anything that you believe in, like, not even yourself, life feels like it's not worth living. Some people do lose the will to live because they have depression, which is this state where you don't believe in anything or anyone anymore. And And so the opposite can be said that when you're happiest, it's probably because you have this deep belief in something, whether it's a spiritual belief or the belief that someone loves you. So really this fading away is very metaphoric for real life. But I think another theory that I had while watching this also was that the world that we've been watching throughout this drama is a dream world and not the same reality that we live in. Although we thought it was initially because it's somewhat similar. But if you think about it, we don't really see God's, in the world that we live in even though we might pray all the time and also if we lie things won't just magically disappear so maybe this idea of lies or fake things disappearing is kind of the rule inside that magical dream world in that things have to be real to exist and if you know that they're not real they will disappear. So even though it seems that Arad dies and turns into explosion of feathers he actually ends up in the realm between the living and the dead where he meets the real Kakarayan. Arad gets angry at Kakarayan because he feels like he's a fraud. He feels like he doesn't have his own identity and he was made as a fake puppet so he could just fulfill the love story that Kakarayan could never live out himself. So Arad in his anger denies his existence but Kakarayan is very politely confused about why he's doing that just because he was made this way. So he tests Arad's belief that he's not real and that his love for Tendi is not real by showing him what happens once he's disappeared from this world. So in the reflection of time that he shows Arad, Arad sees that Tendi still refuses to to believe that he's gone away from this world and she takes away her own memories of him disappearing and so she continues to go around looking like a mad person hallucinating that Arad is around and eventually she meets her death by running into the white spirit the Papa Rip and of course seeing all this Arad really regrets not believing in his own existence and he begs Kakarayan to take him back so he can save Tendi because even if Arad is just an avatar of Kakarayan and even if his fate is just to love one woman that looks like Tiamakan, he realizes that he still wants this and in fact he actually chooses this. And if you remember what I said before, one of the main things about this series is that it looks at the idea of whether or not our lives are arranged for us, or whether we have the power to choose how things will turn out. And Arad realizes that, sure, his story was made this way, but given the choice, he would still choose to live the same story and love the same person. And at the same time, he's not a fake person to Tendi. She loves him and believes in him no matter what. And so in a world where anything considered a lie has to disappear, he doesn't actually have to disappear. And it's just that He made that choice not to believe in his existence, and that's why he actually disappeared. So this time Kakarayan shows him that he has the power to make the choice to embrace his destiny. And we can see that once Arad consciously makes that choice that he wants to live and be by Tendi's side, Kakarayan sends him back to the night where Tendi is destined to die. And instead of letting things follow how destiny is apparently supposed to happen, like what he sees in the reflection of time, he makes the choice to change destiny and to make sure she stays alive and to live by her side forever, because that's what he wants. So he seals this choice with this super passionate kiss in the middle of the road while it rains. And because he's made this choice, Kakarayan sends him to another reality and another timeline. And so this new reality and timeline actually brings the drama back in full circle, and it starts off around the same time as the day in episode 1 of this drama. It doesn't show Arad or any of the gods this time, so you're left to wonder whether they have actually all died. That is until Tendy gets really drunk with her workmates, and then you see Arad appear. Except that he's not Arad, he's Tendi's human boyfriend, Lee and for those 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 who remember early in the series, in the past when Tendi was younger, she gave Arad a human name because she said that he needed a name that he could spell, and that name was Leinton, so it's really sweet in the reality where he is a human, he actually gets to use that name. And in her drunken state, Tendi shows that she still subconsciously remembers Arad from that past reality. But Liinton seems to be completely different to Arad, and all the things that Tendi said that Arad did for her, Leinton is able to indignantly explain that he did them for her, and he had to suffer doing them for her. I have to say I felt a little bit sorry for him at this point because poor guy, she's talking about some godly figure who's looked after her and he's like, no, actually I did all those things for you. And so you see that everything that happened in the other reality also happened in this one as well. But with all the events, it's Li fulfilling them rather than Orad. And when Tendi wakes up from her hangover, she doesn't actually know who Orad is either. She's very mystified that she kept talking about this person, but it's very clear that she's had a very Long and loving relationship with her boyfriend. So you start to think that Tendi and intern have always lived normally as humans. And in fact, you get to see the wider world, and many of the fake gods from the other reality exist as humans, not as gods. And Tendi's grandma Banai tells Tendi that gods don't reveal themselves so easily to humans. So when you look at this second reality, you can see that this is very similar to our reality. If there are gods, they don't just come out and interact with humans. But then as the series is closing up, in the last few minutes, you see leinton almost knock over a glass of water from the table as Tandy's leaving their home, and he uses magic to catch it. And so the story stops there. And a lot of people have compared this ending to Inception in that you can't really tell whether or not they're out of the dream. So is this a new reality? And is this reality really our world? And is Lienton really a human? Or is he really Orad? Or is he a new being that seems to have Kakarayan and Orad's powers as well? So the ending does tie up a lot of the events events that happen in the story, but it also leaves this slightly open ending for you to mull over and decide whether or not they're outside of the dream world and have come into our reality, or they've returned to a different world. So I hope this clears up some of the confusing things about this series. We can now see that number one, the first reality is where most of the story takes place, and it's a slightly more magical world than our own, because of the existence of gods that actually reveal themselves to humans, and also, things like lies must fade away and then most of the last episode takes place in a second reality which is perhaps a little bit more like our own where we worship gods but we don't necessarily get to see them we just really rely on faith and if there is magic then that is hidden from our view. Number two the story takes place across a number of different timelines so there's the present timeline where we see everything happening then there's the timeline with the race memories of Tendi and Arad there's also the timeline from Toam which shows the events of 20 years beforehand when they could already see what was going to happen, but it was before everything that happened. And then once everything does happen and Arad and Kakarayan have that confrontation, Arad then gets sent to another reality and in that reality the timeline is different once again. And moving on to number three, we can see that Arad, Kakarayan and Lianton are somewhat of a holy trinity in this drama. They're avatars of the main god and they seem to represent the same character across different timelines and realities and they each have powers and are interlinked in some way. And moving on to number four, the main idea or theme of this story is really about whether we're destined for certain things to happen to us or whether we have the power to change things. And so I think it's important to come back to this idea over and over again when you look at the motives of why the characters do what they do. So now that the ending is hopefully a little bit clearer, I thought I'd also address some things that people were confused about or maybe a little bit disappointed about in relation to the ending. So there's some people... I know that wanted there to be a bit of a stronger Doomsday storyline, and they wanted to know why it was that it was so important that the world was ending at first, but then it sort of fizzled out in the storyline towards the end. So I think it goes back to the idea of there being two realities. In the first reality, everything's happening on a more accelerated timeline, and it's slightly more dystopian reality compared to our own, but we don't really notice that for most of the story, because actually that world seems very similar to our own in many ways and things are going in this very dire direction where it seems like the world is going to end very very soon but then Arad meets Kakarayan and he makes the choice to stay inside the world and so Kakarayan asks Lemur to change reality and in this new reality things might not be perfect but the world is also not at the brink of destruction and it really implies if this is our reality that there's still time for humans to change their ways and take care of this planet before it's too late and we lose our blessings from the gods and we end up having to fend for our ourselves in really harsh weather conditions. Another interesting thing that I've heard fans ask is why does the story start out looking at big picture things like environmental disasters and death and end up focusing on the main couple? And Porfu actually asked this same question to other actors in an Instagram live because someone asked him and Joe Chang said that it's because the story shows that at the heart of everything, all we're looking for is love. Whether it's science or religion, everything is done out of love. Everyone wants to be loved and believed in. And only from doing that, do we decide to be better people and make better choices for everyone and for the planet around us? Another question which I think confused fans would ask is if Kakarayan is this all-powerful god who plans the future, why does he have to make such a convoluted reality and time loop for Orad's love story? If all he wanted to do was make a love story for Orad, why did Lemurde have to get involved? Lemurde was obviously very jealous or he felt abandoned and that forced Orad and Tendi into this painful storyline. Well, my take on this is actually that Kakarayan's job is to teach everybody lessons and I think this was also mentioned by the actors especially Joe Chang and as God said to Tendi he gave everyone everything without asking for anything in return but we always seem to want more from him and so all the main characters Arad, Tendi, Fali all ask for more or beg Kakarayan for something at some point in the story and so he plans the things in our lives not in a straightforward manner but in a way that teaches us important lessons and you can see that everyone learns a lesson in the story. So Fali, or Lemerd, learns that he's not abandoned and Kakarayan is with him always. And from this experience, Orad learns that he should make his own decisions and not just leave everything into the hands of fate or the reflection of time. And Tendi learns about the painfulness of being Kakarayan and having to make choices about who she wants to save and sometimes not being able to save everyone. So even though Kakarayan did make Orad and Tendi's story something to fulfill his own love story, he also really came Cared about these characters and he wanted them to live their best lives. And I guess it's a little bit like real life, because sometimes you wonder why? Why is this thing happening to you? And why can't God just make things easy for you? And it's pretty much the same in this story. I think it's just trying to reflect our own experiences in life. So now that we've talked about the ending, all the good things, all the confusing things, my personal opinion is that the ending ties up the series really happily and answers most of the questions, especially those tricky philosophical questions. And I think it's quite fun and romantic, and there's actually a lot going for this ending. But do I think this ending is perfect? No, I never think any drama ending is perfect, to be honest, because I usually notice things that can be fixed. In this drama, I think there were a few explanations that could have been clearer, and there could have been some smoother transitions to make things a little bit more understandable in terms of themes. So when Arad makes that decision that then moves everything from the first reality to the second reality, I thought there could have been more explanation about the two different realities and how the first reality was slightly more fantasy, whereas the second reality was more like our own. I also thought that they could have really emphasized that the world ending really just existed in the Mird's dream world, but in the second reality, in the world that we actually live in, if we don't start taking care of the world, we're going to end up in exactly the same scenario. And they do have a scene where Tandy tells the tourists to pick up their own trash. But I didn't think it was really drilled in a enough and so I do think that's why some people feel a little bit like that whole scenario with the world ending wasn't taken so seriously towards the end. My feelings are they were trying to really emphasize this theme but it would have been nicer to have a few more scenes in the second reality with people really working hard to protect the environment and that would have made things a little bit more clearer to the audience that with some awareness and effort on our part we could be working towards protecting the environment and making sure we don't get to that same stage of the world ending. like in the first reality. I did also think that in the end when they repeated a portion of the first episode, they could have made this part a little bit shorter because it did feel like we were rewatching episode one. And because I was anxious about whether or not things had been fixed up with Orad, I think I felt a little bit impatient having to rewatch that section again. But all things considered, I really liked the ending. I thought it was fitting for the show, which I really loved. It was really thoughtful in the way that it emphasized to us that we have a lot of power as humans. And even though we can't control everything in our destiny we can really choose to focus on things to change and with our focus we can affect things and I thought all the storylines were tied up really nicely it was really good romantic tension and I also really liked the way that we saw the really obvious romantic moments in the end in Tandy and the Yinsen's lives and the little Inception style twist at the end that makes us question everything was really fun as well. So that wraps up all my thoughts and explanations for the show and for the ending and I I just wanted to add that while I have an explanation that makes sense, it's also not the only explanation for the ending. I think because this drama is so deep and layered, there's so many ways that you can perceive the ending and I don't think anyone is particularly wrong either. If you are overwhelmed by all the information and weren't sure how to put it all together, this is just one way I'm offering that connects all the dots together. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode about Rainless Love in a Godless Land. If you've enjoyed this episode, hopefully you can hit subscribe because I'm hoping to make some more episodes about Korean and Taiwanese dramas that I watch. See you next episode. Thanks for listening.